Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. Adam? Hey, John. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Is it all right if we jump right in? Please. Cool. Uh, so wanted to start off by just asking you how, your thoughts on how we can become better communicators and in turn build stronger relationships with others. Well, I define communication as the positive progressive exchange of ideas. And if you look around the world today, we see some overblown um, demonstrations of people not necessarily uh, exchanging ideas in a positive way. And uh, in interpersonal relationships, one-on-one, one-to-many, communication, if it's the positive progressive exchange of ideas, notice that we don't get into the emotion of it, but we have to account for emotion and we have to allow for emotion. And I think that the way that we can create deeper connections is to uh, go through life with uh, just a little bit, uh, 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 you know, maybe a um, a Ziploc bag sized uh, quote, uh, what do you call it, uh, ingredient that is curiosity. Now, I'm not sure I worded that beautifully. I haven't quite come up with that metaphor before. But if you can fit a Ziploc bag into your pocket, whatever size it is, if you have some modicum of curiosity, what that means is that you're going to lead with questions, you're going to lead with curiosity, and that's how you learn how other people think and how they feel. And if you want deeper connection, understanding how people think and how they feel helps them to open up their mind to be a little bit more curious about you. And, you know, relationships are work, and the, it, it means that they require attention they require a an investment, and um, both of those things, as I said, they're they're fueled and fed by curiosity. Where can we go? What can we do? And and notice the the common word in both of those is we. Right. So I'm curious, why do you think we sometimes don't approach conversations this way and and with a positive uh, approach to it? And, and like, how can we reflect on it and, and get better at it? Well, uh, because I think that many times we enter conversations with an agenda. Right. I want to talk to this person so that they will understand how I feel. I want to spend time with this person, sit down over coffee, have a meeting, whatever it might be, because I want them, I want to get them to understand. And, you know, years and years ago, a century ago, Dale Carnegie wrote in a book, um, he said, you know, before you demand to be understood, seek first to understand. And that, that sounds uh, simplistic, but so much of human interaction really boils down to simple things. A smile, eye contact, tenderness, caring, patience, and the big one, Adam, the big one, man. And, and, and it, it, to me, this is a reason that podcasts have not just exploded. They have exploded exponentially. Um, it's because people want to listen. They want to hear something that intrigues them. They want to hear something that will inspire them. 
They want to hear something that entertains them. And the beauty of podcasts is that they can be consumed virtually anywhere, on the train, in the car, uh, sitting in the backyard, uh, walking the dog. Whereas uh, video, you know, you're you're putting yourself at risk if you're watching a video walking the dog. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's why that's why I love podcasts too. It gives me an opportunity to chat with people like you that I I wouldn't probably have done otherwise. Um, what what are your thoughts around as we look towards the future? What tools or technology you see? potentially making it easier or harder for us to communicate effectively with others. I think about social media and, and podcasting mm. and some of the other trends. Do any come to mind as um, positives and, uh, and or negatives? I'll tell you something that I have found to be fantastic is uh, speech-to-text technology. Um, I personally don't have one of the home devices where you ask it to wake up and you ask it to find things. And that's a whole other thing. But when I'm communicating with my grown children, I love the fact that I can open up the the text app on my phone and hit the little microphone and talk for a minute and see it populate and then just go back through it and make sure that that's what I really want to say, that there aren't some of the words aren't, you know, inappropriately translated into something I didn't mean to say. Yeah. <laughs> Because we've had that happen. Yeah. Uh, but I really like speech to text because if we if we take that half a second to read what we're about to send, and, and you know, that's a good practice. I, I don't do it all the time. I'd say I probably do it better than 90% of the time is that I'll, I'll speak and I'll watch it populate and then I'll go back and just read it to make sure it's saying what I want it to say. Right. And then I hit send. Um, my son and I often what we will do is we'll hit the record button on the text just so you can just hear what I'm saying instead of having to go back and, and record. So I like the the facility. I like the speed. I like the immediacy of texting. And um, I think that that does help us communicate because we can include photos. We can include videos. I also like how easily, how, how technology has put in our hands, all of us, the ability to shoot a real brief video and send it to people. There's a tremendous immediacy in that. Uh, just a second ago, I said, you know, you don't want to watch videos while you're walking the dog. Well, no, you want to be safe and smart. But if, if I want to get a message across to you, few things are as powerful as me shooting a 30 second video, either on, uh, you know, this platform or others, or even on my cell phone. And sending it to you because of the immediacy. You see my, you see my uh, gestures. You see the expression on my face, um, and I just think that's cool. I've I've taken to uh, sending short videos to people after conversations to recap, to remind, to encourage, or uh, to because we all do this, Adam. It, you know, you and I are going to have this conversation when we hang up, when we stop. One of us is going to think about and consider this conversation for a couple of minutes afterward. Well, if that's the case, I send you a video and say, listen, one of the things I really liked about our conversation was blank, blank and blank. That that's that that is a further, deeper connection. It is it's deepening the connectivity, the connective tissue between you and I, because we've explored some mental space together and hopefully we've had a couple of laughs together. So I, I have a question for you. Yeah. What are you hoping to achieve with this podcast? Um, so I try to think about things that are impacting the world 
and looking at often future technology and how it might impact the world for better, for worse, and, and just trying to think about it and, and what some of those implications are. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on some of the tools and technology like social media. I, you see a lot of uh, ineffective communication on there, but there's also a lot of great communication on there. Um, and I, I like to think about where where things are headed so that we can, I don't know, try to craft craft a future that's with better communication, for instance, uh, related to this topic. Well, I love I love the phrase craft a future. You know, Galileo, who is one of my heroes, said that the best way to, to predict the future is to create it. And one of the things that I, I think is faulty in the social media uh, milieu, if I can use that French word properly, <laughs> is that it's not communication. It is broadcasting. It is standing um, on your soapbox saying, I think this is the truth. I think this these are the facts. I think that this is correct or incorrect. And then you start having responses and interactions with people with whom you don't know, uh, many of which do not identify themselves. Uh, I was on Twitter yesterday and I was reading a comment and the the response to the comment was, so are we supposed to take advice from someone whose uh, profile picture is a leg? And I looked at it and it was a shot of someone's knee and their shin. And it's like, OK, are, are you not comfortable representing who you are or what you're about or anything like that? So it, the I think it started with talk radio. Uh, talk radio really had a, a surge many years ago. And it was it, maybe you've heard this. Uh, hi, Adam, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Um, I just want to say blah, 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 blah. And then they hang up. <laughs> yeah. And then and, and the key is that they say it and then they hang up. They don't want someone to comment. They don't want someone to respond. They just want to vent. They just want to, you know, verbally vomit, if you will. And I know that's a kind of a, a gruesome image, but it's it's created on purpose. So talk radio morphed into social media. And so, and is it social? Mm, I don't know. Social to me is I sit down with our closest friends and we have a nice glass of wine and we talk to each other. Yeah. Social media is here's, here's my thoughts. Here's my meme. Here's my video. And I don't care if you like it or not. And if you don't like it, then I want to get into an argument with you. Come on. That's not communicating. That's instigating. I agree. So, uh, yeah, I wonder why why social media is used as a soapbox, similar to that radio example you gave. Um, because it's anonymous. Because I don't have to be held. Number one, I don't have to be held accountable. Number two, I do not have to waste my time listening to your response. And I think that's what's encouraging to me about your podcast and where your mindset is and, and hopefully where it can help uh, take people is that this is about first and foremost and this is a this is a key component to communicating this is about listening yeah you and i would not be this deep in this conversation 11 minutes in if you weren't listening to what i have to say and i wasn't listening to you right listening is hard man listening is work it is yeah and i was i was listening to some of your other podcasts and uh you were talking about how it's something that we need to get better at. And personally, I noticed um, when I started uh, editing and, and when I started uh, doing some of these podcast episodes, I realized it was one of the first times I had really listened to myself talk. And mm. I I noticed things that 
I wouldn't have noticed otherwise, like me interrupting people, um, using certain words or phrases that I didn't want to or didn't come across the way um, I had hoped. Um, so I was curious if you had a similar experience or if you think it's helpful to listen to yourself speak as it's not something most people would generally do unless they are posting on YouTube or doing podcasts or things like that. Mm. I think that one of the great time killers is the sound, um, yeah, <laughs> we all do it and we all say it. My son, who is in the entertainment industry, made an observation when he was a teenager working at an amusement park near where we live. He was in food service and the menu for what he was selling was hung above the window that he would take orders. And he said, Dad, have you ever noticed that when you ask someone a question, no matter what the question is or what their answer will be, the first word out of their mouth is, um, and I said, what do you mean? He said, ask someone their phone number. What's your phone number? Um, six, six, one, three, seven, three. Where do you live? Um, I live in Valencia. What do you do for a living? Um, <laughs> I said, John, you got to put that in a movie or a TV show that you work on. Cause it's so wildly accurate. Is it, is it a way to fill the pause while they're thinking about it? We, because we have this tremendous gift called speech. Because we have this grand symphony called language, we feel as though that we constantly need to fill the silence. And as a musician, I'm very counter to that. Some of my favorite moments in music are the pauses, are the, the, the moments of silence between uh, segments of a suite or right before the guitar lead or right before the, the alto starts to sing. Silence is not to be crushed. Silence is to be embraced. I mean, you, you think about some of the deepest thinkers. They meditate. And meditating doesn't happen when you're watching a sitcom. Yeah, Medi Meditating doesn't happen when you're posting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Meditating is... I'm going to close my eyes, embrace my breath, and just think. You know, Einstein said thinking is one of the most difficult endeavors that anyone could pursue, and that's why so few people do. And do you, do you think we're spending more or less time in silence and self-reflecting uh, if, you, if you take a step back and, and look at I don't know, recent years and, and where things are headed. I think we're, we're spending less time in silence. And the evidence is that I, I have two grown children when they were teenagers and they had cell phones in their uh, senior year of high school. And uh, when my daughter was in college, they literally slept with it on next to them because they didn't want to miss anything. The first thing they did when they woke up was look at the cell phone. Now, are they still that way? No. Thankfully, my daughter has has completely um, removed social media from her life. And I will tell you that in the year and a half since she's done that, she's a much less stressed person. Confident young woman, successful young woman. The the insidious ins, – um, what's the right word? Insidious? I think the, so. The, the kind of the, the creeping, should that bother me feeling, 
the creeping, well, I'm, I feel as though I'm being compared so much feeling that social media creates. It, it's it's kind of creepy. And, and I believe that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, I heard you say that on another episode, and I really liked that. Uh, and I was going to ask you how you see that relating to a lot of what you think about around language and communication what's what's the tie-in the tie-in is that there are only three things in our lives that we can control now i have been on the earth for quite some time just had a milestone birthday congratulations thank you six decades of life wow and five of those decades i've been involved in music and three and a half of those decades I've been married, better than three of those decades I've been a parent, two of those decades I've been self-employed. And what have I learned? Well, what I've learned is that there are only three things in life that we can control. What we think, what we say, and what we do with our hands. When we are comparing, when we are evaluating, when we are figuring out what do I want to do next who do I want to spend time with? How do I want to be perceived? The more we're doing that through the lens of, well, I want, how will this look on Facebook? The less control we have because all we have control over is what we think, what we say, and what we do with our busy little hands. So I think that when we, when we explore silence – it might be a really good idea to, to focus on our personal answers to, to two very big life questions. And when I saw the description of your podcast and the title, Can I Ask You a Question? I just grinned like I am right now because questions, questions are fantastic because they, they are exploring new territory. They're driven by curiosity and you know, I've, I've said many times, and you may have heard this on another podcast, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. I have never, ever, in all of my experience, learned something new while I was busy talking. Hmm. So to me, the two big questions in life are, how do I want to spend my time? Because God, who knows how much time either of us have? Right. So how do I want to spend that time? And the second one is, what am I truly capable of? Hmm. So I'm curious because it often – it can feel good to talk and, mm-hmm. and share your experience and stuff like that. How do you remind yourself to stay curious and ask questions? Is it, is it that sorry, – sorry to um, – interrupt what you're about to say but is is it is it that 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 understanding that in order to learn you need to ask questions yeah i think that there's a specific distinction between what i refer to as a student and a learner and as an educator i've identified a a pretty clear and distinct line between the two now the student wants to get the answers to the test so that they can regurgitate them, get a good grade, and move on. Context, not that important. Depth and meaning, not that important. You know, what was the War of 1812 about? Okay, well, if you can answer that with three bullet points or expand that to an essay, good. Five years later, 
if you're asked the same question, I don't know, that, that's school stuff. Mm-hmm. A learner is focused on how can I apply this? How can I grow as a result of adding this to my skill set arsenal awareness? And it, at, at the stage of life that I am in, the, the phase or the, 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 the season, whatever you want to refer to it, I'm four years into learning a new musical instrument. And every single day, I think of another song that I'd like to learn how to play on guitar. And, you know, there have been a lot of studies, particularly for men. However, they're not it's not limited to men that one of the key things that science has found will uh, delay or or stave off any threat of Alzheimer's is to continue to learn new things, learn a new language, go learn ballroom dancing, Hmm. learn how to read music, learn how to play music. We don't all have to be on American Idol. We can sit in our backyard and, and strum a guitar or a ukulele or uh, or bang on a drum and express ourselves because we're we're learning uh, to exercise discipline. And to me, discipline is not the enemy of freedom. It's the key to freedom. Do you mind expanding a bit on the relationship you see between music and communicating with others do i mind (laughs) how much time have you got (laughs) that's a great question no i think i said in when i emailed you prior to being on and and i really appreciate you having me on because this is this is different territory than i i usually occupy however it's it's fun to be able to draw the parallels and to kind of explore new territory I, i had I had a really bright, shining, game-changing epiphany about nine years ago when I realized that my passion for music and my passion for language were were joined at the hip, that language at its core is music. You know, I was, I was in seventh grade on Long Island in New York, and I was uh, identified coming out of sixth grade as – having a potential, having the uh, maybe the uh, uh, the ear for language. So I was given the choice of starting seventh grade, studying German, French, Spanish, or Russian. And because of my last name and because of my supposed heritage at that time, I chose Russian. Now, Russian is not an easy language for someone who grew up speaking English as a native language, especially New Yorkese. <laughs> <laughs> And after studying Russian, I studied Spanish when I was deployed in the Navy to Spain. After that, I studied French because I wanted to take my wife to Paris and I didn't want to be a, um, an, an ignorant tourist that could not communicate with the locals. You know, people say, well, you know, the French are rude. No, the French would like you to speak French when you're there. Uh-huh. And I don't think there's a problem with that. So when, when I had this epiphany that language at its core is music – that opened up a whole treasure trove of, of new territory for me to explore. And that really has been kind of the core of my message in the work that I do every day. And that's led to my fascination with questions. It's led to me starting a brand new instrument in my late 50s. Um, and it's led to our conversation today. 
a lot of people might say today with tools like Google Translate and others, uh, learning new languages isn't as important as it used to be. Would you still recommend to people that they learn new languages? And if so, what is it about the language? It's it's first it's mechanics and the mechanics is the structure of the language, how it's built, what the this the syntax is, because English syntax is not the only syntax in Spanish and in French. Sometimes the verb is before the object in the sentence and pronunciation is a musical endeavor. Pronunciation is about phrasing. It's about emphasis. It's about nuance and that's there's a big difference between someone who plays acoustic guitar very well and someone who plays uh, blinding speed Swedish death metal rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm familiar with both of those, not because I'm fans, but because I play guitar and because my son is a fan of that kind of music and I've heard it in my house. <laughs> and it, while Google Translate will play for you, here's how you say that word. It will not teach you how to stand on the street corner in Quebec or in Paris or anywhere else where French is the is the predominant language of, of the people. And it will not help you through the syntax, help you through how comfortable do I feel looking this person in the eye and stumbling through pronouncing the right words the right way, putting it in the right order. Right. Um, you know, I quote uh, Mr. Mandela all the time. He said, when you speak a language, when you speak to a man in a language that he understands, you speak to his head. When you speak a language to a man, when you speak a language to a man that he speaks, you speak to his heart. So, I mean, I can understand Spanish, but I don't speak it fluently. Right. So would you say... It's about showing that you're making an effort, um, even if you're stumbling along the way. And it's it's that stumbling that allows you to learn and grow. Exactly. And every time you stumble, you're either helped because they'll say, no, no, it's actually pronounced this way. Yeah. And then you make this immediate connection. You know, one of the requirements I made of my kids the first time we took them to Europe, we were going to France and we were going to Germany. And yeah, most people there that you're going to run into, they will speak English and, and many of them almost better than I do. But when you when you open the conversation in their native language, their entire face changes. Hmm. I, I remember my my son and I practicing for Germany saying verstehen Sie English and English and English. There, there's a lot of difference there. And when when we expect people that speak a language different than our own to accommodate us, that's that's a little narcissistic. When we go out of our way, yes, you're absolutely right. The the response was phenomenal. We were walking down the street in Paris. My daughter was twelve, my son was fourteen, and we I had been exposed to a book called French or Faux which I thought was a fantastic title. It was written by an American writer who had moved to Paris and married a Frenchman. 
And she said, here's why a lot of Americans don't have fun when they come to France, because they don't make the effort. And she wrote this fabulous book about what the French value, what's important to them and how to connect with them. And I had told the kids that to, to the French, dogs are not pets. They are members of the family. And we were walking down the street and my daughter walked up and greeted the dog that a gentleman was walking before she greeted the gentleman. We stood there struggling through a French conversation for about 15 minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was so great because she just walked up. She said, bonjour, bonjour, and, and you know, reached over and, and pointed to the dog and pointed to the man like, you know, is it okay if I pet him? And he was, oh, bonjour. Blah, 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 blah. And we're like, okay, uh, American. <laughs> And they're like, oh, he's, uh, uh, you live, you live where? And we said, California. Oh, California. I have no idea what he was saying. <laughs> but for 15 minutes, we were connected because we took the time to show some respect. We took the time to practice pronunciation. And the way you pronounce things, I mean, I'm – I don't know where you live. I'm. Uh, it sounds like you may have a little bit of a Canadian leaning lilt to your. <laughs> You're right. Accent. I live in Toronto. You do. Yeah. Okay. Good guess. In the GTA. Yeah. <laughs> Been there many times. I, Fantastic city. I like the, it. The one, the one that's above ground and the one that's below ground. What do you mean? The the city the the what is it called in Toronto oh, the, the path, path? Yeah, yeah yeah just walked through it today. <laughs> I was in Toronto uh, years ago when the Argos had won the Grey Cup, and I stayed at the Sheridan right across the street from City Hall. Yeah, I live uh, uh, I live two minutes from there. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, across the street. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I woke up in the morning and I didn't understand why all those people were gathered. Uh, at, at the plaza at City Hall, and, and learned that they were celebrating the the Grey Cup win. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's a good city. And there's, um, it's, it's a wonderful city. It's an international city. It's, it is the closest thing that I've been to to a European city here in North America. Now I'm told that Quebec is even more so. Yeah, Quebec City is is more of a European feel. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, what what would your tips be? Uh, I guess when, when you're going to be traveling overseas to somewhere where English isn't the native language, is it, is there things you do in a, in a short amount of time to, to at least show that you're making a bit of an effort? Absolutely. Every language has yes, no, please, thank you. How much is this? And where is the restroom? Or as you call it, a washroom. <laughs> that sounds doable. So the, it's absolutely doable. Yeah. How, how do you say that in, in the language of the country you're going to? I remember being on a train between Berlin and Munich and encountering a uh, the, the conductor and saying, Verstehen Sie English? Which is, by any chance, do you, under, do you understand English? Mm -hmm. And his response was, a little bit. Hmm. Well, I got to tell you, man. When a European says a little bit, oh, yeah. it means that they probably have a degree in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. Yeah, I've had similar experience. Um, shifting gears a bit, um, I know you do a, a lot of coaching uh, mm. for professional teams and stuff like that. Curious, 
your thoughts on how communication, how you see it being impacted by the increasing trend of remote work. I don't know. I know you're focused a lot on sales training. I don't know if you see it in that space, but definitely where I work, people work remotely a lot more and more. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, curious your thoughts on that. Well, I, I, I built my, the first 10 years of my self-employment practice on, on the back of the sales training I did. I've morphed since 2008 to doing mostly executive coaching. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not looking down my nose at sales training. It made me a good living. I literally did a webinar today that was sales training for a staffing service. And with the advent and the proliferation of remote work, uh, we work or the lack of we work notwithstanding, <laughs> uh, I think that if we're going to work effectively remotely, we have got to embrace video calls. Every coaching call I do, I set it up as a video call. I record it. I have it transcribed so that we have my notes, the person I'm coaching's notes. We have video and audio record of it. And then we have something written by a a third party, a transcriptionist, so that I can highlight key discoveries or instructions or guidance points. And now you've got multiple touches, multiple ways of learning, multiple ways of of tracking the gestation of the relationship. And I think that with a remote working world that we're starting to lose the dynamism that comes from Collaborating with someone who's three desks away, the walking to the elevator just to go out to lunch. We don't have to go together, but walking to the elevator together. Hey, I'm going to lunch. You're going? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's grab the elevator. There's there are nuances. There are moments there that you cannot share when you turn off Skype or Zoom or uh, go to meeting or Google Hangouts. I agree, and even even over video call, it's it's harder than in person but i guess i guess there's trade-offs uh remote work allows you to be able to work with anyone in the world versus in person you're you're limited uh somewhat by people living in your city so i guess access to more talent but yeah i I like what you said about video i guess is the is the next best option for remote work i'm sorry i didn't do a video call for this i had (laughs) i had one uh bad experience doing an episode over video where the connection um, went poor. And I found mm-hmm. that when you exclude video, it's usually better, but I should give it another try because I definitely agree that it's key to, to good communication. And I, because it's about eye contact, it's about expressions. The, when I did my podcast, I, I did uh, specifically focused on the startup world is called Your Startup Advisors. I did 100 episodes, maybe 102 episodes. And one of the people I interviewed is a guy out of um, Northern California named Dwayne Samuels. And Dwayne created something called Simple Logic. And Simple Logic is is a combination video and AI platform that he sells the service to retailers. And what the retailers do is they send a, a, a link that asks a customer to describe their experience in the retail store. And they ask specifically that they respond to the questions using video. 
And his AI reads micro expressions, the twitch of an eye, the shifting of focus of an eye. The Is that a genuine smile or is it a forced smile? And he introduced me to this concept of micro expressions. And when you are on video with someone, you can see their micro expressions. When I was doing this webinar earlier, it's amazing how people forget that they're on video. One young woman clearly was reading email and typing responses while she had her microphone muted. Again, I'm not a young person. I am curious and interested and energetic. My personal feeling is that multitasking is defined as doing several things poorly. <laughs> I would agree. There is, there's no way she got the depth of what I was talking about. There's no way she was clear in her email. Mm, how about you make a choice? Do one or the other. I ask my clients regularly when they're saying, well, should I, you know, I want to get this done and I'm working on two or three things at once. No, no. Don't disrespect the recipient of the product of your work by doing two or three things at once. Yeah. And I ask the question, do you get dressed in the shower? <laughs> How about you do that email and then you participate in the webinar and then you respond to your boss <laughs> instead of trying to do all three at once. Because I, I, I would love to have someone bring me data that shows and proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that someone who insists on multitasking is truly more productive than the person who is not. Yeah, I would agree. They're, they're likely switching their f attention between the two tasks and can't really be engaged in both at the same time. Exactly. And that's a great word. Engaged. I was, uh, we live in Southern California and we've recently had some significant fires. And one of them, every time they have the police on television talking to all of the citizens about what's happening, they have someone signing. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated with sign language. I'm not anywhere near as adept at it as I would like to be. However, I love the symbolism and the and the energy that goes along with when, when people are signing. I remember years ago walking through Denver International Airport and there were four people sitting together and they were all deaf and they were all communicating and man, they were you know hitting their body and they're making these emphatic signs and everything. And one of the signs that I saw that I thought was fantastic was they were talking about uh, getting horse trailers and the sign for a trailer is to take one hand and make a circle, take the other and use your index finger as a hook, enter the hook into the circle and pull it. <laughs> I, I looked at my wife. I said, that's brilliant. <laughs> now I know how to say trailer in sign language. That's funny. Uh, I, I really liked the technology you talked about where it noticed. I can't remember the exact word. You used micro something. Uh, micro around expressions. Facial. Yeah, micro expressions. So, yeah, going back to you talked about speech to text as a technology that's helpful or can be helpful in communication. Uh, this, like micro expressions, that kind of tool, I could see being really helpful in 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 different video um, platforms, so mm. that it could tell you after a call in a in a way that's not going to hurt you, uh, saying. Hey, just so you know, you're giving off these sort of um, expressions, which you might not actually want to give off. And I guess this relates to, um, I've seen you talk a lot about the gap often between what we're, how something we say is perceived and, and what we intended to say. And I, I assume this could also relate to 
our facial expressions and, and the facial expressions we want to give off versus what we actually do. Well, interesting you say that because years ago when I was a sales manager, I had a woman working for me who was about 25 years my senior. And she came over and she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, John, I got to tell you something. I said, what's that, Melbia? She said, you know, if it's on your mind, it's on your face. Hmm. <laughs> That's good. I've heard and that of course, one before. since I was in my early 30s, I was convinced that she was only talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, any other technology that that comes to mind uh it's as i mentioned it's it's one of the areas i'm most interested in i don't know if any others come to mind well when you say technology you mean social media you mean platforms you mean tools what, what are we talking about tools or technology uh, I, I guess the going back to a question i asked earlier around the uh, tools or technology that are making it easier or harder for us to communicate that that you found so you talked about um speech to text you've talked about the micro expressions Right. Well, and you also brought up the the distinction, this distinction and difference between perception and intent. The the old joke is, you know, uh, I wonder how many people listening to this have ever heard the words or said the words, but that's not what I meant. Yeah. And I'm not a subscriber to it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Oh, 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 yes, it is what you say. And how you say it, of course, has an impact. I think that the 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 ultimate technology is the power of the human mind. It is the it it will it has yet to be replicated. Is AI exciting and potentially dangerous? Yes. It, are we advancing so quickly that we're not sure how to keep up with it? Well, Alvin Toffler said that that would happen when he wrote his book, The Third Wave, in the seventies. Yeah. He said technology is going to advance far beyond our ability to keep pace with understanding it. You think about it, we, you and I right now are living in the first time in human history, first time in human history, where every day we use technology that we have no idea how it works. Yeah. I'm sitting staring at my Microsoft Surface. There's no hard drive in this thing. It's not connected to anything outside of its power source. And I'm communicating to you with you through the Internet and you're sitting there in the GTA. The when you talk about the technology that's at our fingertips, I think we need to deselect technology, not 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 abstain from it. But let's not jump on every new thing that comes along and abandon the things that work. I run my business on an Android phone. And a Microsoft Surface. And I can do it anywhere. You were talking about being a remote worker, being self-employed. Wherever I happen to turn the power on, open up the device, that's where I can work. And I think that we need to deselect, limit how many apps we know and use, how many communication tools we want to use, how many platforms we want to learn. Now, I, I live in the modern world. So We have an iMac in my wife's office. I know how to operate on that platform. I have an Android that's different from Windows. So I want to be well-versed or or, uh, what's the word, Um, conversant. I think that every single day we have choices to make. 
and I and uh, I'm happy to send you a link, or anyone listening to this can send me an email, and I'll send you a link to a 45 second whiteboard video that I had made that explains something I call the decision funnel. And the decision funnel talks about how we make our choices. Cool. Yeah. Well, so personally, I find it hard to to jump uh, to not jump on new technologies for whatever reason. I find them appealing, but at the very least. Um, I try to be thoughtful and and reflective on is this new technology good for me? Is it mm. is it is it serving me in a way that I want it to? Because it seems for whatever reason that um, our intuition can sometimes be wrong. Like I find with social media, uh, it's something that I often gravitate towards and want to use. But when I reflect on it, it's not actually uh, helpful. It's not. It's not allowing me to spend more time with others, and and yeah, so uh, I find I find it interesting that often our intuition can be wrong around some of these new technologies. And and it goes back to questions. And to me, the question is, how will this make my life easier, better, more interesting? Yeah, I, iTunes made my life more interesting overnight because I didn't have to carry around a disc player when I went on my morning walks. I have this little tiny device that has thousands of songs in it. That's cool. Way back in ancient history, a product was introduced right out of your country called a BlackBerry. And when the BlackBerry was introduced, it was a standalone email tool. And I saw it and I thought it was wicked. And I was, I just, I wanted one. And I thought, wait a minute. So I'm going to carry this tool to do email, and I'm going to carry another tool to talk on the phone. And I thought, if they ever figure out a way to put a phone in a BlackBerry or vice versa, then I'll buy one. (laughs) And of course they did. And of course I bought one, and I was digging life. I had this – I had a a clip on my belt like I was carrying a a (laughs) (laughs) six-shooter. And whenever I got an email, it would buzz and I would sit on a plane and, blah, 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 you know, yeah. this was before speech to text. I would I would thumb myself to death. And the the union of those two technologies that all of a sudden that was practical and that that I saw a benefit to. I could respond to emails while I was on the plane, while I was on the tarmac, while we were taxiing. And then when I did get to the hotel during travel, I could call my wife. I could write. I could relax. I could meditate because when we're on the road, there's way more temptation to just keep working until you fall over. I'm not sure that's the recipe for quality work. Yeah. And, Does that uh, make sense? yeah, that makes sense. Uh, around email, for instance, I've, I found, and this relates back to what you were talking about around multitasking and, and how it's ineffective. I, I found that whenever I got notifications on my phone, it, it would take me away from whatever conversation I was presently engaged in. So I, I found myself constantly having to go through my phone and, and turn off notifications for, for different apps and, mm-hmm. and platforms. Uh, has, is that your, your approach as well? When you're, when you're having a conversation like this, for instance, do you like, turn off your phone? Or are there certain things you do? That you find I turn the volume all the way down. I turn it face down on a table that I where I cannot see the device while I'm talking to. Right. Yeah. And 
what this does is this gives me a sense of control, a sense uh, I feel centered. I do not feel yanked. You know, the mind is is an is addicted to stimulus. Whether you are an addictive personality or not, and I am not, thankfully, our minds, no matter how much stimulation it gets, it wants more. I mean, look at what's happened with live concerts in the last 15 years. Yeah. Used to have a light show. Then it went from light show to fireworks. Then it went from light show to fireworks to, you know, balloons and, and you know, 70 foot uh, models coming down from the sky. OK, enough. Yeah. Isn't this a concert? Didn't we come to hear music? <laughs> and yeah, this is this is the problem. I guess this is one of the problems with social media is it's that instant gratification and, and constant stimulus um, that is so addicting. Recently, we went and saw a band that's been around for many, many years. Um, you may not have ever heard of them, and that's okay. <laughs> it's called King Crimson. They are one of the one of the legendary progressive rock bands. They're they're respected musicians, and they're they they live in a very interesting space. I've been listening to them and performing their music for many, many, many years, or or attempting to. And we went and saw them at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. When you walked into the theater, there were large signs that said, we would kindly request that you do not photograph or videotape the musicians with your phone. We would like you to enjoy the show as well as the people around you. We're telling you now, if security sees you recording or photographing our event, you will be asked to leave. Hmm. Not... BS to shut it off. You'll be asked to leave. Hmm. Wow. So guess what happened when they hit the stage for two and a half hours? People weren't documenting and posting. This is what I'm doing right now. So everyone needs to know it. No, I'm here to actually enjoy what these guys have spent their life. Yeah. Developing. And um, yeah, I hope you don't mind. We're going a bit off topic here, but this is, this is the, this is the type of stuff I'm interested in. And I'm curious because I think we both agree that um, having to sh- having that impulse to share and say, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm at this concert. That's, that's not helpful. But um, I, to me, at least it's more of a question mark. Do I want to even take a picture or a video of this for myself so that in the future I can look back on this, um, on this memorable event, whatever it happens to be knowing that it's it's going to take me away from the present moment a bit and and there's a trade off there i don't know if if you've thought about that before what your thoughts are on it well uh, now we're getting into some interesting territory uh, it, one one aspect of this is something that since both of my parents passed away i i i when i am in moments of melancholy i think about how many generations went without photographs of their parents or their family Mm-hmm. Is it really good for us to have pictures of of deceased family members in our home? Is it really healthy? Is it are we honoring them? Are we being reminded of of who they were, or are we putting a weight on our hearts that is not healthy? It's a great. Question. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've, sorry to interrupt. Ahead. I've never I've never thought about that question before. I'll, I'm going to give it thought. It's it's a great question. And I don't know the answer, but <laughs> I like that question. And then another component of this is, you know, my wife and I have been very fortunate to enjoy 
some really fantastic experiences. And if we rush to take pictures while we're experiencing it, are we taking ourselves out of it? Totally. So it, it makes me think of the, the French novelist Marcel Proust. And Proust was obsessed with the concept of memory and what happens when we recount a memory, when we bring it back to the forefront of our mind and when we describe a memory to someone else. And his conclusion after thousands of pages of what he wrote was that every time you recount a memory to someone else, you change the story. Do you mind repeating that? Every time you recount a memory to someone else, you tell them a story of a memory that you have, mm -hmm. you change some aspect of the story. You elaborate, you exaggerate, you choose to maybe underplay certain aspects of it. Right. It's kind of like, you know, again, go, say again. Like the concept of broken telephone and, and how things evolve, right? Broken telephone? What does that mean? Oh, um, <laughs> I thought it was a common thing. I think it was a game I played way back in elementary school where um, like a, a group of people, you'd, you'd do it in class, like there'd be a line of people and one person would start by whispering in the next person's ear a story or something and that person would whisper it to another person and you'd go along and you'd see what the 10th or 20th person uh, heard as the story. And it was completely different from mm -hmm. what was originally said. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that what you said reminded me of that. And, yeah, how it's even if you're sometimes in that game, people were purposely trying to play around and have fun with it. But even, Subterfuge. Yeah. But what, even with what you're talking about, even if you're trying to be um, – as accurate as possible it's it feels as though it's impossible and it, things will evolve so i'm curious where you were going with that well uh, the how the mind works memory experiences learning the power of the mind they all tie back it's all all of it is dripping with language hmm. when you when you recount a positive experience you you're looking for superlatives when you are reminded of a negative experience, you're looking for ways to to get it out of your mind. And all of that is shaped by, all of that is colored by, all of that is brought to life through language. Hmm. Well, I hate to have to wrap this up because this has been super fascinating, at least for my Thanks. end. Um, if we if we circle back to the original question, which was how can we become better communicators and build stronger relationship mm -hmm. relationships with others? Any any closing thoughts or things you would want to say? Absolutely. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I got I got I got a ridiculous amount of stuff to say, man. Well it's <laughs> why I became a writer. It, it helps get it that helps out of your together. system. <laughs> yeah. Uh number one, listen more. Listen to everyone in your life. One of one of the most shocking and attention-getting moments in my life was when my daughter was a teenager and I was busy doing seminars left and right uh, uh, above the American-Canadian border and below. We were talking. I thought we were talking. But apparently I kept interrupting her and she said, Daddy, 
you never listen to me. <gasps> it's been about 15 years since she said that, and she has never said that to me since. Yeah. Listen more. Take a half a moment before you say or ask what you're going to ask next and, and filter it through this question. What do I want what I'm about to say to accomplish? Thanks so much, John. This has been an absolute pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.